0: Good morning, 1910 Church. My name is Ben Stahl, and I'm one of the elders serving our church here, and I'm also a physician in this community. I'm going to give you an update on uh, Pastor Jason and how he's doing. I have some notes because Chach told me I have 3.25 minutes, and I do not want to get on his bad side. So, as many of you know, last Friday morning, Jason began having symptoms of a stroke, and that quickly evolved into what was obviously a major stroke. But because of Jason's quick recognition and Angie's quick action, he was at the hospital within about 60 minutes of the onset of those symptoms and received TPA, a very strong medicine that broke up the clot causing that stroke. Now, uh, that completed what had already been started uh, by the power of the prayers of his family this church and our community, restoring blood flow to his brain. Uh, more on that in a minute, but I'm happy to report to you that he is doing awesome. He is doing awesome. And um, so yeah, let's give God praise for that. So <clears throat> so first, what causes a healthy 46-year-old man to have a stroke? So he wants me to let you know what we know so far. So we found that Jason has a small hole an opening between the top chambers in the wall of, of his of his heart um, and which is not a big deal it happens in about 25 percent of us but combined with another little structural problem in that wall that increased the risk of him having this type of stroke. Now he's taken precautions to prevent this from happening again and going to be going through some more testing to make sure that there's no other reasons why this happened. Um, but I'm, I'm also happy to tell you that he's doing so well that next week he's going to be standing here where I am. Um, yeah, he's, <clears throat> he is going to be speaking to all of us about prayer, the power of prayer. A message that interestingly God put on his heart months ago. Um, to give to us, start giving to us last Sunday. So you are not going to want to miss that. So more importantly, I want to, to, I want to tell you about the amazing power of prayer um, that, that started uh, bringing healing to Jason as this happened. So last Friday morning, I watched Jason's symptoms go from bad to worse, and I knew that the worst was happening in his life. So as Angie was on the phone with EMS, I was just monitoring his vital signs, um, honestly uh, feeling that I was gonna have to start doing CPR on my friend. His daughters, Annie and Madison, at that moment started praying for him, laying hands on their dad and praying out loud. And as they did, Jason stabilized. He stabilized and some of his symptoms, notably his speech, began to improve. And without any good medical explanation before any medical treatments he continued to get better and better on the way to the hospital and then after being administered TPA his symptoms were then nearly fully restored and only having a residual weakness in his right hand and forearm Uh, and even that continues to improve and we continue to believe in faith that that will uh, and continue to be fully, fully healed. So Jason had the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through his arteries and veins uh, long before any medicine. And it was already restoring blood flow and already starting to heal him. We were all witnesses to it, and God gets the glory for that. So... So we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. We have a pastor that believes in the power of prayer and has been physically healed and saved by the power of prayer. We, have a, we as a church have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who in John 14, 13 says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified. So let's keep praying for our pastor. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for our nation, for her leaders, for this election, for our next leader. Our God establishes kings and governments. Let's lift our own government up, the United States of America, and ask him to keep his hand of blessing on it. So God, we do. We give you praise and glory for the healing we've seen in our pastor. God, and we ask you to continue to heal our nation. God, continue to heal the divides in it. We ask for the healing this week as we prepare to vote, and we ask, God, for you to bless the rest of this time of worship. We ask these things in your name. Amen.
1: Good morning. Well, I was going to come out and say, you know, that I was Pastor Jason and I've been in the hospital and lost a few inches in height, but uh, Ben already ruined that for you. Hey, we are really excited that uh, our pastor is recovering and doing amazingly well and uh, very thankful for the Lord. It is a good thing when you know that someone has been through a very, very difficult situation and you've just continued to see this great progress. So we're thankful for that, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to share with you. I'm going to kick off this series. We really didn't know what we were going to do because it's really Pastor Jason's series. And so he just said, I want you to go ahead and kick it off, and then I'll come and fix all your mistakes, and it'll be really good next week. So if you're a guest, I want you to come back next week and hear a great sermon from our pastor, you know it'll be good. So we're excited about that, but I get to start off this series about prayer, and it's something I'm really, really passionate about. And I don't know about you, but if I kind of look around the world we live in, I'm thinking it's about time the church wakes up and starts praying more fervently, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's kind of a crazy election season. You may not even know we have an election coming up. Haven't seen any ads or anything like that, but it's nasty, right? It's gross. It is like, and here's one of my favorite parts. Now, listen, this doesn't matter in either direction how you're voting for president, but I just think it's really funny that in July, when the FBI director came to a conclusion, the people that were against the Democratic candidate were all like, oh, he's terrible, he's awful, we hate James Comey, and then now that he's changed and done something different, oh, we love him, he's the greatest, most honorable guy you've ever seen, and other groups yelling, I mean, it's just, we really don't know what we're talking about most of the time, do we? I want to tell you, God knows all of this, and He has a plan. And just like Dr. Ben shared, He has a plan that He allows us to have the rulers for a great purpose. Whoever wins the election, however things go, whatever's going on, you and I cannot in the flesh win the battle that's in front of us. We can't make this country great just by being good people. We can do some good things, But I think God has a greater purpose. So I want to encourage you today. There's some really good things that are happening, but I do recognize there are dark things around us. When we look at stuff and we think, man, has the world ever been this out of shape before? Yes, it has. It's been even more vile at times we have this ebb and flow of good and bad and, and and things working well and nations crumbling and oppression and all kinds of stuff that's happened in the world. And God has never once been going, hmm, didn't expect that. Instead, He knows exactly the hearts of men and women, and He desires that we would be in tune with Him. So prayer is one of the key elements that links us to God's plan. So, you know, when 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 we're in a dark place and things aren't like we want them to be, we really need a light, right? So Pastor Tony Evans from um, Dallas Bible Church, no, South South Cliff Bible Church, Oak Cliff Bible Church, thank you. I was going to get it eventually. Um, Tony Evans said one time when he was in New York City in 2003 in August is when they had that huge East Coast blackout. And he was at the airport trying to fly out, and as he was getting ready to get on the plane, everything shut down. Lights went out, turnstiles stopped, you know, the conveyor belts, security, everything went black. And so they just shut the airport down after a few hours and said, we don't know if it's coming back, but we're closed. Everyone's got to leave the airport. So he calls his travel agent back in Dallas and says, man, I need a hotel room tonight. And I mean, everybody's running to him as quick as possible. And she found one hotel that showed that it had a room. And so he, they hurry and grab a cab, and they run to that hotel, and they go in. It's pitch black, candles everywhere, uh, flashlight ushers you to your room. You get in, they give you a little uh, candle and say, that's all you got. And it's in August, and it's steamy hot. And he goes to open the windows, and his wife pulls back the curtains, and they're going to lift the window for some air. And across from them is the Marriott Hotel completely lit up like a Christmas tree. And he's like, okay, we got to figure out what's going on. So they leave their hotel room in the dark and they walk across the street to this giant thing and the restaurant's going, people are laughing and everything's going great. And he walks into the manager and he says, hey, what's going on? We're staying at that dark place right there. Why is your place lit up? And he said, well, when we built this place, we put in a gas generator. So for days like this, we'd still have energy See, what we did when we built this thing is we put something deep inside that was not going to be affected by the outside. And that's what God has done with us. Even though we live in a dark place and the lights won't come on in some places, He has given us a light inside of us that's deep, that's not supposed to be affected by the outside. So the good news today is we get to tap into that. We get to find that place, even in terrible times, even in rough moments, even when things aren't the way we want, we still get to tap into God's plan and have a purpose in a dark place. One of the things that I really like about prayer is what God has taught me, and I'll share this a little bit more, God has taught me so many things that I kind of knew on the surface, and then you kind of get below that surface and you realize what a joy it is to not have to go to the Father as I was kind of raised to believe that you have to pray to be a good Christian, but you get to pray and it makes you a better Christian. <laughs> it's not a have to, it's a get to, right? So let me give you a, a key verse uh, that I want to give you hope this morning, Jeremiah 29 11. Now this comes from a very dark time in history and a very dark book of Jeremiah, the prophet telling us in a very rough point of history, he says, I want you to know for I know the plans I have for you, God declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Listen, I know this is Old Testament, but this is God telling us the Father's heart is always for our betterment. It's always for our good. And sometimes we need to see the darkness to appreciate the light. Sometimes we need to go through difficult times to realize the good times were there. Sometimes we need to have struggles to realize the successes If everything is always good, and let me just give you a political analogy. When things are good in the economy, Americans seem to be happy of whoever's in office. When the economy's not good, people start getting irritated. We're controlled by the economics of our life and our jobs and our prosperity and, and the freedoms in that prosperity more than we are about what is the right thing to do. And so we get caught up in the outward that changes what is what we're about, and we really should be focused on the inward. And God gives us this amazing picture that he wants us to prosper. Now, there's a great theologian from the late 60s and early 70s from uh, England. His name is Monty Python. You may know who that is. Uh, Wrote some very profound things. But one of the things that I love in one of the movies is this idea they begin to pray, and they call upon this one guy to pray, and he says, Oh, God, you are so huge, huge we're all really impressed down here. Sometimes we think that's prayer. we got to call out something and do something and re- recite these words that somebody else has told us to do. But it's not that at all. It's our heart being expressed to the Father. Now, this series is based upon this particular passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now guys, I don't know about you, but this is the time that we need to be praying this prayer. This is time in all of our lives, no matter how prosperous you are right now or or whatever's happening in other places or, or what good is in your life or whatever, we need to not only be praying for ourselves, we need to be praying for those around us and we need to be praying for our nation. And we're going to talk specifically about that how do we do that? How do we pray for ourselves and how do we pray for those around us? But let's break this passage down while it's on the screen. Let's just break it down in this if my people. Now, this is written in the Old Testament, and this is written by a Jeremiah uh, um, uh, about Solomon. Solomon has built a temple in the first few chapters of this, of the first few yeah, chapters of, of this book, and he is now telling the people this is how you will succeed. And so sometimes people say, oh, it's an Old Testament, so it's not about us. It is written to the Israelites. It is written to the Jews. But this is going to be a universal teaching about God's plan. If you will do this, then I will do this. It's a covenant agreement that he says with us that if you will do these things, I will do my part to bless you. So we can take the opposite of that as if we don't do these things, he will not bless us in the way he promises in the second part of this passage. So here's what he says, very specifically as you break this down. If my people, those that call upon my name, those that claim to be followers of me, God says, you're the ones that we're talking about. We're not talking about the outside world that doesn't know Christ. Because listen, if you expect a non-believer to act like a believer, you're foolish. They don't know how to do that. They are only given their best human effort when they're living in the flesh and not by the Spirit. And we're the same way. Even as Christians, we can live in the flesh and not live by the Spirit. And our best effort is not good enough to solve the problems of the world. But if my people who are called by my name will do these four things, they will humble themselves, which let's just take these one at a time, this means that you do not believe that you're the answer. To humble yourself is to say, I'm not the answer. And God, I do not claim to be the answer. And I'm not coming to you saying, here I am, send me, I've got the answer, put me into office, put me into an elected position, put me in charge of this group. I will do it, God. I will fix it. Instead, it's like, God, we recognize that in our best effort, we can't do what you want us to do. And so we're going to submit ourselves. We're going to humble ourselves and put ourselves down below your authority. And then they will pray. And this is where we're going to focus on today, but this idea of prayer is not that we're just praying over a meal at the dinner table, which is good. It's not just saying, hey, we'll pray for you and never doing anything. This is actually saying, God, we are talking to you and we need to have a conversation. So again, we're humbling ourselves. We're we're having this conversation with God. We're seeking his face where we are really genuinely looking for him, not in his face, but at his feet. We are not telling him how he's going to do it. We're asking him how he wants to do it. How does he change us? How does he make us his servant? So we are seeking his face, and we are going to commit to turn from our wicked ways. We are making a solid commitment to say, God, I will not do that again. I will not be in charge again. I will not try to solve this again. I will not be the person that is going to do this. I will be the servant that will submit how you want it done. We're going to turn from our wicked ways. Then God says, then I... Will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now, listen, the way the Bible describes forgiveness of sin is not that you and I would pray and the nation would be forgiven of our sin. The nation is responsible for their sin on their own. As a whole, God will judge our nation. But I believe with all my heart, He's not gonna judge the nation for the unlost or for the unsaved and the lost in what theirs is. He's gonna judge the nation for what the Christians have not done for the nation. The blessings that we see around the world, and we see miracles that take place in third world countries. We hear testimony of people coming to Christ when no one's been there to present the gospel. That a man woke up from a dream, and that dream explained Christ to him. And he turns around to his village and says, I don't know what this means, but there is a God and there is a Savior, and we need to find Him. And lives are changed. We see people that are, we hear stories of people that have been dead and been raised from the dead. We we see people that have been given sight. We see miracles around the world that we don't see so often in America. And the question always is, well why do you do it in a third world country and not do it in America? You know what the answer is? Because the church in America is not empowered. The church in America is divided. The church in America does not stand as one humbly before our God and saying, God forgive us of our sins, help us in righteousness and heal our land, and let it begin with me. The church rises up and pickets the lost. The church rises up and condemns the lost. And the lost looks at us going, you're supposed to be about love. Love doesn't mean acceptance of sin. Love means the the pursuance of those that are in sin. And so prayer changes this combative nature that we want to physically move the gates of hell back and spiritually let God move the gates of hell back. Listen to this illustration or this picture. When it says the gates of hell will not prevail, it's because the church is designed to be an offensive machine. The church was never created to be defensive, to wait for the attacks and to keep pulling back and holding our ground. It's an offensive machine with the power of the gospel that goes out and changes lives. The gates of hell cannot withstand the offensive machine of the church. It blows the gates open. And why is that important? Because the lost are behind those gates. And they don't know it. We want the power of God to blow open those gates so the lost can be set free. So they can find hope in Jesus Christ, right? So let's say this prayer is so important because it's just a conversation. It's not anything magical or mystical, but we have a Bible study on Sunday nights that is about prayer. And in that group, which is full of amazing people, we took a survey in there and a number of those people in there do not feel adequate to pray, to pray in front of anybody else, to pray for anybody else. They're they're really nervous about that. Man, we need the offensive machine of the church to be fired up and people are in prayer. And so therefore, do not feel any condemnation if you don't feel comfortable praying out loud or you don't feel like you've got a prayer life. Today's the day to get on that train and it's gonna go. It's going to leave the station, it's gonna make a difference. We are going to have the opportunity, if you do not already know how to pray for yourself or for your family, here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna believe God's gonna teach us how to do that. Because it's his will, It's his desire and it's our need. Those are all things that we want in our life. We don't have to worry, God, is it your will that I learn how to pray? (laughs) We know that's his will because he wants us to pray. Because prayer is simply a conversation, it is simply being able to say, God, this is what I need to tell you. And that we listen to what he has to say. So let me give you two directions that are not accurate in prayer. This is not your best way to pray don't pray and say, God, would you change him or would you change her? If you're married and you look at your spouse or pray for your spouse saying, God, please change her. She is so messed up. Okay. That is not a righteous prayer. It may be true, but it's not a righteous prayer. Okay. Absolutely not relevant in my family. I didn't mean anything by that. It's not a righteous prayer because you're asking God to change them without asking first that he would change you. So time and time again, we hear stories of marriages that are in trouble, that the man or the woman, but in in a lot of situations, it's the man begins to pray for his wife and he begins to ask things like this, God, would you help me to love her as she needs to be loved? Don't change her so she's easy to love, change me so that I can love her more. Teach me how to be a better husband so I can honor her and protect her and provide, and to, as the Bible says, to rule for her benefit, that everything that I do is for her gain and her betterment. God, help me to be that. And sometimes what happens is, yes, the man's changed, but also the wife because all of a sudden he's acting different. And the response is so good that the marriage comes together. So our selfish prayer of saying, God, change other people... We can easily pray for our nation. And do not hear that I'm saying don't pray for our nation. But if your prayer for the nation is, God, would you do something about the candidates for president? We'd rather have the vice presidents. You might be praying ill for one of them because you don't want them to win. That's not a healthy prayer. Say, God, give us what we deserve and let us live with the consequence Because I'm going to tell you something that's very controversial, and I've said this for years. We need to be persecuted as a church in, in, in America. The church has gotten very lazy and very disconnected. Because we ruled as the ruling party of authority for so long. When we didn't rule anymore, we don't know what to do, so all we do is complain. I want us to be a church that prays, as we already are, but prays even more fervently that God would do a miracle in our country. It's kind of necessary right now, isn't it? (laughs) We need a little bit of help. So let me just say this. When we pray, we want to pray things that are in accordance to what God desires for us. We want to pray things that say, God, we desire to be your people. So in in this series, we are trying to focus on one particular um, area, and it's going to be this week is about our home. How do we pray for our home? So we're going to kind of deal with that. But let me ask you this question. Are we more self-reliant or more God-reliant in the way we live our lives? When was the last time you did pray? Now listen, no condemnation. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but I just know in my life for a long period of time, I didn't really pray. Many weeks went by probably when I didn't actually have my own prayer and I either was with somebody that prayed, I counted the prayer at church before the offering or whatever happened. You know, that was, I, yeah, I, I, was, I prayed because I was there. But yes, I was looking at something else and I was doing another thing or my mind was somewhere else and I wasn't really praying myself, but I did hear a prayer. But if, if you have not prayed in quite some time, then you are like most of us, we're living in a self-reliant mode and not a God-reliant mode. And as Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for us? Not as good as we want. God has a desire to fulfill our needs. Let me tell you a quick story. When I was, uh, Amy and I were in Lubbock as youth minister a number of years ago, we started having some weird things happen in our youth ministry. Some, Some new seventh graders came in, and they were a very, very large group, and they were loud, and I mean, they were obnoxious. They were not your normal 7th grader coming into a youth ministry with 7th through 12th grade that are kind of intimidated and kind of get quiet, and then they kind of grow into that. Man, they came in just taken over, and they did not love Jesus as a majority. They were just good kids with very loud personalities, and they began to do things and say things, and some of the kids they brought with them were very vulgar and said some horrible things to some of our other students. And It just got to the point where we felt like the youth ministry had been taken over as a Hostile takeover and we were out of control. There'd been a mutiny by a group of students and they were in charge. And so I went to my youth workers at one of our meetings and I said, guys, we've got to pray, man. Something's got to change. And one of our youth workers named Gary Galanis said, Kyle, let's not just say we're going to pray. Let's pray. And every Monday morning at seven o'clock, you can come to my office and we'll pray. Five and a half years we prayed. We moved it from Monday morning to Monday at lunch after a while, but we met. With a group of three or four or five guys every single Monday for about five years. But in the first few months, we saw things changing. By the time those guys had gone from seventh grade into eighth grade, we saw a change. In ninth grade, we saw a revival. And we saw a number of those kids take off and do things that we never believed could be done in their lives. Many of them are involved in ministry, uh, in, in impacting thousands of people a week in their ministries. We have one of those students that was the, the, the sibling of one of the kids that was really caught on fire. He caught on fire and has a church that has about 8,000 people in about eight years. They've baptized over 6,500 people in this church. It's because prayer began to change the hearts of our workers, and it began to change the hearts of our students, and those students caught revival to the point where my pastor made a comment one time. He said, listen, when I grow up, I want to be like these sophomores. I want to have the faith like that. And so these sophomores begin to take off and say, hey, we're going to do more than just say we're going to pray. We'd like to meet on Friday mornings at 645 in the youth building and start praying for our schools before kids go out on Friday and Saturday night and start drinking and partying. We want to pray for revival on our campuses. And every Friday morning, we'd have 15 or 20 high school students show up. And then they took it to the next level and said, hey, we're going to do prayer cops, which is crazy drive-by prayer where they get in a car and say, hey, you know what? Timmy's family's in the middle of a divorce. Let's go pray for them. And they pull up out front, not make any fanfare, don't let anybody know, and just start praying that, God, that you would do a miracle in that marriage and you would save that family. And then they would drive off hoping never to be seen. That next summer, they said, hey, we want to pray for every youth camp in the city. Before they leave for camp, can we go show up and pray over their youth ministry that God would do a work in their camp? And I said, well, yeah, that's great. So we start calling youth ministers, and they're like, nobody's ever done that before, but sure, kids would show up. And one day, we showed up at a church, and we had the wrong time, and the buses had just pulled out, and there was all these parents in the parking lot. And my students stepped up and said, hey, do you mind if we pray for you? We miss the students, but we want to pray that you would have a great week, and we want to pray for your kids while they're traveling. And the parents are like, you're high school students. What are you doing? It's because they had a burden for their friends and they began to pray. They didn't just talk about it. They prayed about it. So let me share this with you before we get into the the nuts and bolts of the last few minutes of how we're going to put this together. Let me read this verse to you. It's on the screen, Psalms 145. It says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in the prince or princesses princess of this world, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans have come to nothing. But verse 5, blessed are those who help, whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, But, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. Guys, that's power right there. Look what our God does, and he just says, I don't want to just give it to you because you're disobedient and not paying attention. I want you to ask for it. I want you to be in tune with me and watch me pour this out. So as we pray for a home, I'm going to do this really short. This is what I want you to do. In your seat or next to you in the seat, there's some prayer points that we encourage you to walk through this week. It's got today and through Saturday. Next week we'll have another set, but we want to really focus on the the home. And if you live in a home with other people, then we encourage you to do it together or do it If nobody else will do it with you, do it on your own. So today, one of the things that I think we need to really focus on is, let's start with us. Let's start with our homes. In your seat today, you will see there is a card that has points starting today through Saturday. Next week, you'll get another card. It's just some things that you could do, just some direction we want to give you. But I want to flesh that out just a little bit and say that there are some things that We can do that you could start today. Now, if you live alone, that's totally great. You can pray on your own. If you live with somebody or you've got family or you've got kids or a roommate or whatever, you guys could pray together. But one of the things that I find very powerful is prayer walking, something I didn't know until a number of years ago when it was taught to me. But we have people prayer walking right now. They are praying backstage consistently praying that the Holy Spirit would be present and working in our lives. They are calling down heaven on our behalf. We have people that walk this auditorium every Sunday morning, touch every single seat, put oil over every doorpost, and pray that the anointing of the Lord would be in this house so that you would be blessed when you're here. We have people that are doing that, and I want to encourage you to learn how to prayer walk, and it's super simple. If you can walk and you can have a conversation, you can prayer walk. And you just walk into a room, and you can just say, God, I just want to pray for this room right here. I just pray that you would be present. I pray that everything in here I'd be thankful for. I pray, God, that whatever is not right and what is evil, what is wicked, what is sinful, that I would remove out of my life. But, Father, I just want to walk through my house, and I want a prayer walk today. I'm going to call out everything. I'm going to thank God for the provisions in my home and the property I have. I'm going to pray 2 Chronicles 7.14 as a personal prayer. I'm just going to look it up. And uh, it's in the Old Testament, it's in the book of 2 Chronicles, and it's like chapter 7, verse 14, if you want to look that up, and, uh, and, and pray that, that you would humble yourself and that you would seek his face, um, that, that, that we would walk into each room thanking God for the people that reside in that room, or someone that may be in that room later today, or later this week. If you're a teacher, you could prayer walk your classroom, like as many of you already do, but it's the idea that I am going to be actively involved in praying and then the last thing I just a little note that I thought would be good is ask God to protect your home, property and family while asking Him to make it a place where He is honored. So let me tell you a really quick secret. If you play pray and, and the, the religious word is consecrate, but to set apart if you set apart your bedroom as a righteous place, you will probably be less likely to have sexual sin in your bedroom if you set it apart. If you make it a holy place, you're not going to go in and denigrate the throne. So many times in our life, we hear people say, oh, you can't say that in church. Because we set apart churches to be a little bit more holy. You really, if you can't say it in church, you shouldn't say it at all. But when you prayer walk certain things and you call out, say, God, I'm in agreement. This house needs to be set apart for you. You'll do different things in that house. You say, God, thank you for my little 12-inch TV instead of the 72-inch TV that everybody else has. I just want to thank you that I have a TV and I can watch it. Thank you for what you've given to me. It'll change your heart about what you own. God will change us if we will be serious about giving him the praise. And if we'll be serious about asking him to change us, he'll do those things. So why is this important? Because if we don't do it, then we're living in the flesh. And as Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? It's not very good, is it? It's not very good. We finish today. In just a moment, I'm going to have you stand, say a prayer over you. Our prayer minister team will come up. And if you need to pray with somebody today or you need to ask somebody for prayer or you just need some help, that's what our prayer minister team is up here for. If you're a guest, we want you to come to the garage. And if you don't know how to pray, I'm going to invite you to the garage and we'll help you. It's just having a conversation with the God of the universe. If you do not have any idea what this is about, you need to find out. This is like a guy used to say, it's like having been, he he said, I used to get it, I felt like I've been in a stick fight, I never got my stick. If you don't have the, the, the weapon of prayer, it's like getting, having a weapon to defend yourself, but you can't get it out of the case when you need it. There was a guy years ago that was saved and came to my pastor, one of my former pastor's church. And he didn't really know anything about church. He got saved, radically transformed. God was doing some great things. He was sitting on the edge of the aisle in this little country church. When they went to do the offering, they would walk down. One guy would have several plates, and he would just hand it to several men and say, would you just come up and help me do the offering? Did not intend to give it to Randy. He had never done the offering before, didn't know what to do. And they messed up. They let Randy stand on the end next to the microphone, and the person next to the microphone has to say the offertory prayer. And so they said, Randy, the pastor said, Randy, would you pray? And he was like, oh, Okay. Uh, God, would you help them have what I got? Amen. It's heartfelt prayer, right? You know God's going to honor that over some beautiful, planned-out, eloquent speech about how awesome and powerful and all that. That's great to say that, but if you don't mean it, it means nothing. If you'll stand with me as we get ready to to close. My prayer for you is is that you would tap into prayer and that you would trust God. Our prayer minister team, why don't you guys come on forward. Father, we're gonna pray. We're gonna end our time together. We're gonna call upon your name. It is awesome. It is high. It is majestic. It is fantastic. It's above all names. It's all of those things. But God, I love the fact that you don't ask us to pretend that we know how to do it great. You just wanna hear our hearts. And God, our heart today as a congregation, is that, Father, we would not surrender the weapon that taps into the power that gives us the freedom to walk into you. Help us today, Father. I pray a blessing on this congregation. In Jesus' name, the powerful name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. You're dismissed.